always say at the start, you're like, hello, and yeah. welcome to Sophia's Choice, a Golden Girls podcast. Uh, you're blessed to be with us this week um, <laughs> because I'm your host with the most, Brent. Not to be confused with Donnie Most. <laughs> Ralph, <laughs> now. Can we start over? <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, because you just started off right by shitting on me that you're the host with the most. What does that make me? <laughs> um, so do you want to do you want to run that again? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, you go ahead whenever you're ready. Right. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sophia's Choice, a Golden Girls podcast. Uh, I'm your MC Brent, and my two DJs this week are DJ Allen B. Hello, and DJ Ski Ski Grandpa. Disney do yo. <laughs> so, <laughs> we did a uh, thirty-seven of these intros before we settled on this one. And I think lucky thirty-eight. That, yeah, thirty-eighth would have been the charm. Thirty-eighth <laughs> special. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, boy, if this is what they ended up with after thirty-eight attempts, <laughs> I would have to think it was more from exhaustion than it was from settling on just, the very best. It's very just whatever. Who cares? Very true. Uh, the man's been making us move furniture. Um, <laughs> So, so hey, you did it, it on the clock. <laughs> I know, I know. So it's like it's eight hundred pounds. It's glass on three of the four sides, and we took it down a flight of stairs with a tiny landing. Four sides because there's internal mirror on the uh, yeah, yeah, fourth yeah. wall. There's an internal mirror, um, like like a regular like traditional classy mirror, not like one of those Coke mirrors you win at the county fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, this is Sophia's Choice. We're a Golden Girls podcast. Um, this week we're going to be talking about our, just our blessings and those that are mixed. I had to talk up front because our normal host, Alan, is going to be doing the recap. Um, but don't worry, because Ski's also here, and we're going to interject and uh, give you those tangents that we all know and love. So without any further ado, um, ask Alan real quick, any, any viewer mail or anything? Uh, you know, actually, we did get a comment from Sherry. Uh, give me just a moment. Okay. Yeah, so Sherry, in a recent comment uh, referencing, I believe uh, it was when we were talking about Humpty Dumpty. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. I'm not a fan. Yeah, exactly. But but she says that, so now Brent understands how it feels when Alan takes your material and presents it as his own. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which exactly. I, which I don't think is fair. Uh, number one, I think we came up with those two ideas on our own separately mm -hmm. i don't think i stole it from you nor did i ever steal marky mark and the monkey bunch that was mine <laughs> but yeah i, I, I digress think, i think i don't know didn't you also blank on a uh, troop beverly hills oh well yeah but I, i'm not I, I never watched Troop beverly hills see i think you have i i don't have any actual memory of watching it but it is possible that i did yeah and so okay um, but I don't have any other new viewer mail, no new reviews. But if, if you do want a review, we definitely would appreciate it uh, if you went out to uh, iTunes and left us a review. Uh, if you like the episodes, it helps us uh, get seen by more people. It bumps it us up in the, I guess, the algorithms or whatever. It gives exactly. us a little more weight in those. So and This week we're going to be talking about blackface, so I'm sure we'll get some viewer mail. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> well, we'll be talking about it, I'm sure, in the way that it should be talked about in you know, polite society. Yes, yes. Um, spoiler alert: we will be Sans frowning praise. upon it. Sans <laughs> praise. Right. What'd you say? <laughs> we will be frowning upon it. Yeah. <laughs> I would say that's a fair assessment. It <laughs> um, is. But, uh, anyways, it is. It's one of those things that, uh, you know, we can make some lighthearted fun about Professor Cooper, but there are certain <laughs> lines that we will not cross. Yeah, that's true. I'm glad that you're not going to take the devil's advocate on this one. <laughs> So, yeah, it's... Uh, well, I mean, real quick, though, I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, I am. Well, not am, but I mean, I don't. I don't think it's fair. We'll talk about it. Okay. Yes. All right. So, do you just want to wait till we get to the actual part where it comes into the yeah, story? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, as Brent has already mentioned, season three, episode twenty-three, uh, mixed blessings. Yes. Name of the episode. Well, let's talk about it just real quick up front. Sure. Um. So, like, I don't know how you you find people are following along with your viewing. Like, if you own the DVDs or if you've been watching on the Hulu, but you know, if you have been watching on the Hulu, you may have noticed that this one is currently missing. Yeah, it right. even said that on Wikipedia. Yeah. Like it even has a special note about that. Yeah, so um, I don't know when all these poured over to Disney Plus later this year. Maybe this one will make the cut. I don't know. But if you had to watch it on some, you know, bootleg website, you know, thank you for that. But if your sole exposure to this episode is our recap, then, you know, may God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> yes. And please don't tell people you've seen the entire run. so i will just to get ahead of it a little bit and we'll get to the infamous scene here in a bit this one was removed from hulu because there is a scene where blanche and rose have uh, like black face uh like a face mask on yeah it's like a mud mask mask. mud mask yeah Yeah, exactly exactly. beauty treatment of sorts yeah but they're also meeting a black family at the time that that happens so there definitely is the implication of blackface it's it's definitely out there yeah (laughs) it it was a poor joke i don't understand why they felt the need to put it in but um i also don't necessarily feel like it uh, warranted it being taken off the service agreed but you know it may offend other people more than it does me obviously i'm not part of the so culture exactly. that that targets can so I, I, add, think, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say yeah i think it was sort of a knee-jerk reaction mm-hmm. but it's not really my place to say if it should be up there or not yeah yeah so. that's, that's a fair assessment i was gonna add so i don't want to give away too much of the upcoming plot any more than we already have but uh so they're wearing a, a beauty mask of sorts right right now because they are talking about uh a, like mixed couple right mm-hmm. black and white to, together uh, my concern and when they're writing this uh, uh, script and stuff, is that they put in the beauty treatment and worked backwards mm-hmm. to incorporate that so they could do blackface. Uh, it's a possibility. Um, it it really? seemed that way to me, uh, just because like. So you thought that there this is, entire thing was built around just that scene? No, 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 no. <laughs> like the B, the B storyline. Oh, okay. Like they didn't know what to do. Oh, I see. And they thought that would be a funny gag, and mm-hmm. so then that's how they built the the secondary storyline. Story mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that maybe. Because right, well, it doesn't really play any role besides too much. That's true. Yeah. It's a very minor one in this case, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. So, this one, uh, original air date for it was March 19th of 1988, uh, written by Christopher Lloyd. Not that mm-hmm. Christopher Lloyd. Correct. Uh, <laughs> and it was uh, directed by Terry Hughes as he's uh, closing out on the end of his run here with the Golden Girls. Doesn't he just go through season three and then no more after that? I think so. So Maybe a sporadic here or there. Yeah. Okay. Maybe a clip show. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, we scene one, uh, we open up on an infrequently seen shot of the back of the house, including the lanai. Uh, Dorothy is then on the couch uh, when a panting Blanche comes in, followed by Rose. The two are apparently getting in shape for the uh, for all the ugly bumping they plan to do with the Harlan twins while cruising the Bahamas the following weekend. And that was Harlan Williams. Yeah, probably brother. so. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> his twin brother. Apparently, there's a lot of the Marlon. Pre- yeah, <laughs> Miami's just lousy with twins. It appears to. <laughs> it really is. Because oh. yeah, Blanche has dated twins in the past, right? Yeah, yeah. at yeah. least twice that I can recall. Yeah. Yeah. So this is at least the third set of reference twins, and I think there were twins in the bowling team as well. Oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's true. at least our fourth set of twins referenced in yeah. the uh, in the series thus far. So yeah, yeah. a lot of it. Um, 
So then a, a moment later, a horn honks and Sophia comes and, running. And we in. had two different cast members from the movie Twins. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, a horn honks and uh, Sophia comes running in on her way to the experimental prototype community of tomorrow. Uh, but she doesn't plan to take in the exhibits saying, please, I'm 82 years old. I'm interested in technology in the year 2000. Uh, Estelle Getty did live till July 22nd of 2008. So <laughs> she, she had egg on her face. <laughs> yeah, she must feel like a real <laughs> asshole. <laughs> but to be fair, Estelle Getty's a lot younger than Sophia. That's true, yeah. She, wasn't, isn't she younger or wasn't she younger than other members I of the Golden Girls? I think she was the youngest. Yeah, she was. Oh, really? Youngest. Wow. Yeah. And she had the fewest husbands. Hmm. Yeah, I believe that you covered that in your trivia last time that you did a recap. Exactly. Uh, so uh, I'm better at the trivia than I am at hosting. <laughs> oh, you do a fine job at hosting. You're an yeah. excellent host. I think you guys are both very I, good. I think some might call you the host with the most. <laughs> <laughs> Not with the most. Maybe I'll take 37, you think? All right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Rose and Blanche are taking measurements after the one run that they've done, and uh, Blanche comments on her enduring hourglass figure. Uh, Dorothy quips with maybe my favorite line of the episode. Uh, it looks like somebody poured about 90 minutes of extra sand in the glass. <laughs> uh, Rose has a pretty good follow too. Did you have that down? I don't remember. Well, she said something about the uh, the tape measure going yeah. to further. To a different color. Uh, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Rose does confirm that uh, Blanche is honky-tonk, badonkadonk. <laughs> and uh, then we get a surprise visit from Dorothy's son, Michael. Oh, can I add mm-hmm. one more thing? Yeah, certainly. The, the line I was talking about, mm-hmm. she said, I haven't had the tape measure out this far since I took, since I made uh, slip covers for the couch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah, it's nice uh, when Rose gets to have a, you know, a swipe in a Blanche. And it's usually like innocently said. Right, like, yeah. It doesn't like, seem not that Not meant she to be it. insulting, but. Mm-hmm. It would be great if at the end of the series, though, that Rose comes clean and that the entire time she knew all these insults were insults and it was never an intention to be They find out she's sweet. got like a double doctorate. Uh, right. <laughs> psychology. And, and she's like, yeah. I've been pl- playing with you for years. Yeah, she got it from uh, the yeah, she, University. She just publishes a thesis on these other ladies. Yeah. <laughs> she did her postgraduate work in Yo Mama. <laughs> So, uh, so, yeah, at this point, Michael has walked in, um, and he drops the bomb that he's getting married, and that his soon-to-be wife is kind of black. I think uh, he should have dropped the bomb that he was eight years younger. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing, is that out of those two issues, which we'll get to that in a moment, but it seems to me, honestly, to be the lesser of the things that you'd want to give someone a heads up mm-hmm. about. Well, no, because he was 30 last year. Oh, you mean that he himself has dropped eight years yes. younger? <laughs> now he's 22. <laughs> Oh, I didn't catch that. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's a good good point. Yeah. <laughs> um, they, but, use uh, a different, they use a different character, didn't they? Different actor, actor yeah. 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 Now, Dorothy does seem surprisingly distraught. Um, I, I was I was a little bit taken aback right from the beginning at yeah. the way that she reacted to Michael telling her that his uh, betrothed was black. <laughs> I, I just didn't expect her to react in a negative way. Well, but I, I would agree because a lot of times... Dorothy, in my opinion, is definitely painted as the most accepting and open-minded of mm-hmm. probably all of them. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it already been established that they'd be okay if their children were gay. Yeah. You know, but apparently, you know, a, a mixed relationship is just a bridge too far for <laughs> Dorothy. Yeah, it's really odd. Um, but she does manage to push down her racism and tells Michael she's happy for him. Yeah. As if he's happy, she's happy. So if you want to ban the episode, ban it for yeah. this. Yeah, I would agree. Um Rose realizes that uh, black people typically have black parents, and the scene mm-hmm. ends at that point. 
So, do you have anything else to add to that opening portion? It's a little lengthy, but it, oh, I'm not asking for commentary <laughs> on, on me. If, if you want to do a podcast about the podcast and then give your director commentary at that point, by all means. <laughs> I'm in discussions with Pick Me. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I hope the negotiations are uh, you know successful for you, as successful as your union. I just, just was going to say, I just need to find out if he runs a union shop or not. Yeah. <laughs> if not, no dice, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, so then we start off scene two. Uh, we're in the kitchen now with Rose's face wrapped in a towel and some other uh, beauty technique um, that you know, apparently, because Blanche, I don't know if I mentioned this in the first part, but, but for them preparing for this weekend with the Harlan twins, Blanche is in charge of beauty and Rose is in charge of fitness. So mm-hmm. uh, they uh, they head to the living room. With Do you think Rose. the Harlan twins realize that they're uh, Rose's rebound sex from Al? I, I don't know. Um, we don't know that she's uh, separated from Al at this point. That's oh, I don't think she'd have a side piece. <laughs> I don't think so either. <laughs> but really but I mean, Al stuff. might be dead. So that's true. You know, that is true. But he died with went the down with the ship. Face. Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> really funny. Yeah, um, double entendre. Very nice. Uh, <laughs> and then another favorite line of the episode here: uh, they they head over to the living room with Rose saying, "Can I ask a dumb question?" And Dorothy replying, "Better than anyone I know." That was easily my favorite line of the show. Yeah, that was a good one. So a woman arrives at the door, and Dorothy assumes that it's Lorraine's mother. Lorraine mm-hmm. is the woman that Michael's yeah. engaged oh, to. Oh, I'm sorry. Real quick, let's back up a bit. Sure. Um, so the bit about um, being kind of black. Right. And then she said it was like being kind of, you know, Latino. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. You, yeah, you almost miss it. And then um, I didn't almost miss it. You missed it entirely. <laughs> no, I'm saying <laughs> last last episode you said something about Estevez. Yeah, 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 because um, she said something about, um, you know, Emilio Estevez. <laughs> You know, she pronounced it weird too. Yeah, Estevez, yeah. which I've heard both, but yeah. I've almost always heard exactly. Estevez. You know, is kind of Latino, and it's one of those things that I, I get the point that they were trying to make, but I just wonder why they went with Emilio Estevez instead of you know Martin Sheen or Charlie Sheen or Joe Estevez, because <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> they're all equally kind of Latino. I just think because Estevez sounds more Latino than Mighty yeah. Ducks. Sheen. Well, yeah. when well, did that come out? Uh, around then, I guess maybe a smidge, probably two, three years later. His probably his young gun years, whatever. Oh yeah, that's what yeah. I so, so he'd been a hot topic right there. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, I think that by going with Emilio Estevez, it, I don't know, I don't know if the jokes is clear. I guess. Oh, okay. yeah, that's true, because you wouldn't necessarily assume he was only kind of, I guess, yeah, or whatever exactly. the term would be. Exactly. But the other way, people might not have got the joke at all if they yeah. didn't have any idea. So yeah. But, uh, again, uh, Dorothy assumes that it's Lorraine's mother that has arrived, but learns a moment later that it actually is Lorraine herself. Mm-hmm. And um, it's nice to know that apparently Michael is neither racist nor ageist. Mm-hmm. As Michael and Lorraine uh, make out, Rose comments, wow, he's really getting along great with his future mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. So, do you think you've ever uh, considered making out with your mother-in-law? Mm-mm, no. Uh, no. None um, of them? Opportunities never presented itself. <laughs> <laughs> but you're open. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, that's one of those things that if they're feeling Randy, baby, yeah, um, really you're on an awesome powers <laughs> kick lately. What's wrong with me? Um, no, it's just nothing occurred to me just because, you know, just because it's mm-hmm. not my bag. 
But, uh, Maybe. No. <laughs> <laughs> I get credit for the assist for that one. Right. <laughs> he set hey, him up and he knocked him out. <laughs> you so. bring it up once, Alan. It was Alan. a softball, though. <laughs> it was. Slow pitch across the plate. You bring it up once, it's going to stick around a while. I think you went up and set it on the tee. <laughs> <laughs> and instructed, okay, right. now swing forward. No, That's no, no. Right. Not too high. <laughs> But uh, while Blanche shows uh, Lorraine where younger people could make babies, Dorothy tells Michael she is worried that he is making a big mistake. Mm -hmm. Uh, The conversation between the two does not end well, but it does end the scene. Mm -hmm. So we uh, head into scene three at this point. Okay. It's nighttime now, and in the kitchen, Rose tells a story of two crazy lovers making whoopee in the front lawn, Mm -hmm. leading to an unheralded crossbreed, the Schnaumation, which -hmm. would be a, a Schnauzer and a Dalmatian mix. Yeah. Now I will say this: I don't believe that is like a recognized breed. I was gonna, I was gonna say, yeah. did you guys look that up? Yeah, I looked I it up, and I, I couldn't find. But I'll say this: the ones that do it's, exist are really cute dogs. Oh, uh, it's an actual thing. I, I don't think it's it's not a thing like as far as like a Puggle or these yeah. other yeah, crossbreeds that have become their own breed. At least I couldn't find anything under that uh, you know name as far as a regular what do you call it, like recognized breed of dog, but. The ones that I have seen are really cute dogs. I mean, it's like a Dalmatian, but with like a little extra fur to it. Um, so if you have a chance to get yourself a Schnaumation, you may, <laughs> you know, be pleased. She talks about how the farmer's angry about the, or how he was angry when, you know, a few months later, the dog had, uh-huh. you know, these, these mixed dogs, um, this mixed breed dog. And I feel like in the constant, in the context of the situation, it's kind of a story with racist undertones because it's, oh, it definitely oh, yeah. is, yeah. <laughs> so it's kind well, of an odd one for Rose to tell. Yeah, moreover, the way she tells the story at first, she doesn't, uh, she doesn't, she leaves it to the imagination, right? Like not stating that it was animals. Mm-hmm. She she makes it sound like it was humans almost. Only at the end do they say, "No, I have a feeling this was not people." Right. <laughs> Did you have anything else you wanted to add to that part, Brent? There's um a tribe called Quest Lyrics. Okay. It's like, you know, this is for my dogs, the Shih Tzus and the Terriers. Things are getting wild and things are getting scarier. Oh. <laughs> but like, I can't find the, which song it's from oh. online. <laughs> like all the search results are coming back with like Shih Tzus. And <laughs> like, it's fo- like Google's focusing on the dogs and yeah. not the tribe called Quest part of the search. <laughs> right. Um, so it's from that. I know I, it's from that Thank You for Your Service album. But I can't remember which song it's from. Well, I appreciate your effort to try to find it. I've said it before, but you're excellent about remembering album names. I I know a lot of songs, but I could almost Mm -hmm. never associate with a specific album. Yeah. Little things like that stick in my brain. Mm. Well, Lorraine walks in, and after an awkward exchange with Dorothy, the two of them discuss the differences between her and Michael. They seem to find some common ground, Uh but uh, Dorothy says, Yeah, well, (laughs) Dorothy says that as a mother, and the subtext is also a racist. Um, she still can't approve their marriage. Now, Dorothy does have a much bigger issue with the age difference between the two yeah. of them. But you can definitely tell that... I mean, she even makes comments that the race is is also an issue. It's an yeah. issue she can see past more easily, but... Uh, I think she's using the age as her beard. It could be. I mean, it could be that, you know... At the very least, you kind of wonder, had he brought home a Ray 40... Ray Chong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but... Co-star of Soul Man. <laughs> But Dorothy definitely shows a side of her that they've never shown on this uh, series mm-hmm. to this point that was very disappointing yeah. overall. I just don't. I think it hurts the character. Yeah. That's what upsets me well, more. I think it would have made more sense if, like, you know, one of Blanche's previously unseen sons mm-hmm. had shown up. 
you know, because then you don't have to worry about them, you know, losing eight years of their life. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and plus it's like, oh, it's a Southern thing. Of course, <laughs> you know. Well, that's probably why they didn't go it. with it because that would have been too stereotyped in that direction, I guess. But uh-huh. not that that seems to be an issue with this episode. Yeah. So. I don't know. I kind of wonder. Yeah, well, it probably wouldn't actually apply. I was going to say, you mentioned the age difference for uh, Michael's being younger in this uh, episode than the other one. Uh-huh. Uh, we don't necessarily know that the seasons are all in order. Right. Like, chronologically speaking, which we could use, I guess, as uh, some justification for their timeline being messed up sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. So you're basically saying that every episode should be looked at as almost freestanding <laughs> and yes. having not happened sequentially with the other one before it? That's just a theory, but uh, <laughs> yeah. it could, it could, but I was going to say, I don't know how long they've been living together. So eight years may not have passed. Yeah, that's true. In order to uh, fulfill, fulfill that kind of theory in the first place mm-hmm. see i think i would be okay with that logic if like in the very final episode we realized that all of the episodes are just like you know in sophia's alzheimer mind <laughs> <laughs> stroke lady exactly just like... <laughs> exactly she had her stroke and she's like sort of remembering bits and everything's pieces from... just fragmented at this exactly. point exactly then i'd be at okay. the image be like and then i remember the time i was living in that golden palace and then it would lead into them <laughs> exactly <laughs> so well it's daytime now and dorothy is cleaning why michael pleads his case and calls dorothy small-minded dorothy quotes a philosopher saying there are no small minds just big heads and that philosopher is rose nyland <laughs> yes uh, a minute later lorraine's mother greta and her yeah. aunts trudy and libby walk in I don't know. I mean, I think, I mean, Michael definitely has a point. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that in a much more offensive episode, um, you know, the Goldens were totally fine, you know, with Marguerite cleaning their house, (laughs) but she's not okay with, she would not have been okay with Marguerite dating her son. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could definitely put that in different contexts. So it would have made it uh, even worse than it would have painted in even uh, darker, you know, uh, tones than it is in this one. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> you were floundering. For yeah. A oh yeah. Absolutely. I'm, now I'm taking a breath so that I can cut this shit. <laughs> so. so yeah. So a minute later, uh, Lorraine's mother Greta and her aunts Trudy and Libby walk in, assuming Dorothy is the maid. They give them all white people names. I don't know. They're, they're just names. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, and then and then at that point that's when the moment that got this episode taken off Hulu happens as uh, Rose and Blanche walk in in the mud mask mm-hmm. uh, given the appearance of blackface uh, Lorraine then introduces her mother to Michael and she is angry to find out that he is a uh, skinny white boy I don't know why would the skinny part be a problem I don't know um, but it is odd that they basically have this she wants set up daughter to be taken care of by a big strong guy <laughs> right well she's Greta doesn't have any issue with the age difference, mm-hmm. but she has an issue with the... Uh, well, with she kind of makes it sound like she has a problem with uh, his station in life also because he's not rich. But yeah, but I mean, she's money. a singer and he's, you know, a musician, Band-made. so they're both musicians. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but they grew up apparently wealthy, or they, they at least are now. She talks about uh, how they have made and stuff. Mm, yeah, that's true. Now, mm. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. It's one of those things that... I think that, what's the mom's name again? Greta? Greta, yeah. Okay. I think Greta's only thing is like, okay, will this be a better son-in-law than my previous one? Oh. You know? Yeah. Because oh, I mean, yeah, Lorraine I was married was for married 20 before. years, you know? I mean, literally, she got married when Michael was two. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know. 
So. And she chose to never have kids or anything. And well, now she's old. I, yeah. I don't know. Like you think she'd be past her years almost. Now, do you think for either of you, like I, I can say with absolute certainty um, that I don't think either of you two would bat an eye if one of your kids brought someone home that was a different race or religion mm-hmm. or anything else. I think you two yeah. are both open-minded people in that regard. Do you think you'd have an issue if one of your kids at the age of 20 brought home a 40-year-old that they were, you know, in a serious relationship with? I think so. Yeah, I think I would too. I would definitely. Like, I mean, my daughter is dating a black guy, and, like, I don't have any problem with that, obviously. Right. But uh, um, if someone was twice her age, mm-hmm. yeah, I think I'd be a little upset because yeah. I don't think it would be okay for me to date someone, one of her friends. Right. <laughs> Yeah, well, you're in a little different situation because twice her age is your age, whereas for Brent and I, (laughs) by the time, well, I don't know, Vanessa, though, she'd be old enough that she brought home someone twice her age. It'd be not far off from your age. Uh, Twice her age would be Helena's age, my wife's age. So, yeah, so that's pretty close. And then add six years to that to get my age. See, I worry about that with Gwen because she gets irritated with people her own age. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I do worry that at some point she's going to bring home some person uh now she's been she has never expressed having a a crush on anybody or anything Mm -hmm. like that um so who knows Uh, and she also has definitely expressed that she has no intention of having children Mm -hmm. um but i would just be more concerned for her now do you think it makes any difference for these two specifically for greta and dorothy Mm -hmm. that michael's the boy and lorraine is the woman or the man and the woman whatever yeah and assumably now we, you know, we'll come across this a little later on in the episode, but you might be thinking like, oh, well, this woman is at the end of her childbearing years. Yeah. And by in that time standards, a lot of people would probably consider her past them. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas in the flip situation, the woman would definitely still be within her childbearing years, you know, as the one who is half the age. I think you need to ask Stan that question. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, I think that, I mean, we... We saw it last time Michael was around because mm-hmm. he was 30 and Bridget was 19 or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. And nobody mentioned the age. Yeah. You know. So that wasn't. Now that is a closer age difference, though. So 19, so 19 and 30, though. Uh, maturity mean, wise, it's a huge difference. Yeah, yeah. But as far as just the, you know, an 11 year difference versus a 20 year difference, I think, yeah. you know, is more so. But yeah, so, I, I would I have an issue with it myself as well. I mean, if he was 30, though, and she was 19, I mean, Half his age plus seven would have been twenty-two. Well, mm-hmm. they also so she weren't would have been outside the scope. They also that's weren't true. talking marriage in that case. Yeah, that's true. Too. Oh, that's true. That's marriage. True. I mean, you're. That's. I mean, they were just doing Blanche stuff, right? Just so. doing Blanche stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so then, uh, it, it's not really another scene, but it looks like probably a commercial break happens because mm-hmm. um, we're back in the same location, same setup. And Dorothy asks uh, just who she is calling a skinny white boy, to which Rose interjects, I think she means Michael, Mm -hmm. which that was probably my favorite Rose line of the episode. Uh, Lorraine's mom tells her that uh, liking Michael is just a phase, stating that ever since Diana Ross started marrying white men, everyone's got to have one. Uh, Sophia, noticing the age difference, comments, no offense, but it looks like your daughter has been around the block more times than the good humor man. Now, to me, when I hear around the block, I think of someone who has been very uh, promiscuous. Yeah, exactly. Not just someone who's aged. Yeah. Um, if she just had around the sun. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she's been around the sun more times than the Apollo moon. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'd be like, okay. Um, but uh, things almost come to fisticuffs, but instead both sides part ways equally upset about the relationship. 
So now a little later, uh, next scene, uh, we're back in the living room, and Dorothy is calming her nerves by watching Judgment at Nuremberg. Feel-good story. And uh, Dorothy asks Blance how she would feel um, if you know the shoe was on the other or not if it was on the other foot but if her son mm-hmm. came home with a, a woman who was twice his age and uh, she says that her uh, pyro son could marry Lillian Gish and she wouldn't care yeah that's Which, what I had to google <laughs> oh is and yeah. that brings me to my uh, deep dive Alan's oh, deep nice. dive yeah nice. there wasn't a whole lot in this episode that uh, was good for but Lillian Gish uh-huh. is one that I had never I didn't know who she was at all yeah, she had quite the life yeah right yeah I really her. did um she's so, the, the poor man's Mickey Rooney right <laughs> So Lillian Diane Gish, she was born uh, October 14th of 1893. So mm-hmm. at the time when this show came out in 88, she would have been 95 years yeah. old. But she's still, still alive. alive. Yeah, still alive. Yeah, she was still alive because she was, uh, lived till February 27th of 93. Mm-hmm. Uh, just came up with about eight months shy of being 100 years old. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. So uh, close. And she was an American pioneering actress on the stage and screen and a director and writer, and her film acting career spanned about 75 years from 1912 um, in silent film shorts all the way out to 1987. And she was called the First Lady of American Cinema and is credited with pioneering fundamental film performance techniques. Uh, she was a prominent film star from 1912 to the 20, into the 20s, uh, being particularly associated with the film director D.W. Griffith Birth of a Nation. Yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah, this included her leading role in the highest-grossing film in the silent era, uh, Griffith's uh, The Birth of a Nation, which we discussed in a prior episode as the one that exalts the uh, Ku Klux Klan. And, mm-hmm. You know, terrible movie. As mm-hmm. a matter of fact, she had a library named after her at her school mm-hmm. um, that she had gone to, and they eventually petitioned to have the name changed because of mm-hmm. her association with that movie. Um, so, yeah, and then... Uh, at the uh, dawn of the sound era, she returned to the stage and appeared in film infrequently, including well-known roles in the controversial western Duel of the Sun or Duel in the Sun, and the thriller The Night of the Hunter. She also did considerable television work from the early '50s into the '80s, and uh, closed her career playing opposite Betty Davis in the 1987 film The Whales of August. And then during her later years, uh, she became a dedicated advocate for the appreciation and preservation of silent film. And despite being better known for her film work, she was also accomplished on the stage and was included in the American Theater Hall of Fame in 1972. So would you guys like me to go deeper into this deep dive, or is that sure. enough Lillian Gish for you? Please go deeper. A little more? Okay. Yeah. Uh, now, she was born in Springfield, Ohio. Now, didn't you spend some time in – what part of Ohio were, did you live in? Uh, Athens, Ohio. Oh, okay. I, for a second, I thought, oh, maybe. Southeast corner there? I don't even know. <laughs> I've looked it up before, but I don't remember. Yeah, I think it is. It's really nice down there. Hmm. It's there by Hocking Hills. Very nice. Uh, well, she had a younger sister they, named Dorothy. Well, before I remember anything, though. <laughs> they have um, they make a certain kind of brick there that's used like in brick sidewalks and okay. like they used to make in brick roads, but it has like a little uh, the center portion is like a little flower type shape. Oh, cool. And that's made there. So it was every once in a while I come in and I'll be out walking and we'll see the bricks that come from Athens someplace. And it's really neat. Very cool. So you yeah, have that, really that little bit of your history you didn't even know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she uh, she had a younger sister, Dorothy, who was also a famous actress. And it said that uh, Lillian took suffering for her art to the extreme in her film career, which became her obsession. Uh, one of the enduring images of Gish's silent film years is the climax of the melodramatic Way Down East 
in which Gish's character floats unconscious on an ice floe towards a raging waterfall, her long hair and hand trailing in the water as she floats, and says that her performance in these frigid conditions gave her lasting nerve damage in several fingers. Oh, that sucks. Similarly, when preparing for her death scene in Lobo M., over a decade later, Gish reportedly did not eat or drink for three days beforehand, causing the director to fear that he would be filming the death of his star as well as the character. <laughs> so she was dedicated to her craft. <laughs> I Not drinking is pretty dangerous. Yeah, especially three days. I mean, hopefully <laughs> she had a few sips. <laughs> but uh, yeah, what is it, like 48 hours generally that she can go without hey, drinking? I don't before know. It's not a lot. Or significant risk? Maybe, maybe they mean drinking alcohol. It could be. Not a <laughs> <laughs> I mean... She wasn't fasting, so she was getting some fluid through like her salad or whatever she was having. For well, so she didn't eat or drink oh. for three days. Um, but uh, her debut in Talkies was only moderately successful, largely due to the public's changing atti- attitudes. I guess many of the silent era's leading ladies, such as Gish, had been wholesome and innocent, but in the early 1930s, those roles were perceived as outdated. The ingenue's uh, diametric opposite, the vamp, was the height of popularity. Um, then she acted on stage for uh, most, for the most part in the 30s and the early 40s. And then she returned to the movies. Uh, she was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress for uh, the, her role in Duel, Duel in the Sun. Mm-hmm. Um, she made numerous television appearances from the early 50s into the late 80s. And in addition to her uh, later acting appearances, she became one of the leading advocates for the lost art of the silent film, often giving speeches and touring to screenings of classic works. She received a special Academy Award in 71 for superlative artistry and for distinguished contributions to the progress of motion pictures. In 79, she was awarded the Women in Film Crystal Award in Los Angeles, and in 84, she received an American Film Institute Lifetime Achievement Award, becoming only the second female recipient at the time, uh, Preceded only by Betty Davis in 77. Who she, you said she starred with before, right? Yep, exactly. Um, well, actually, she starred with after that. Yeah. Um, okay. And the uh, the only recipient who was a major figure in the silent era. So okay. uh, she later had a uh, star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. And if you want to see that, it's at 1720 Vine Street. Okay. So if you're heading to Hollywood and, and really want to see um, <laughs> where Gish's star is, there you go. Mm-hmm. And then her last film role was appearing in The Whales of August in 1987 at the age of 93 with Vincent Price and Betty so Davis. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it had been the year before this was made. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in which uh, Gish and Davis starred as elderly sisters in Maine. Gish's performance was received glowingly, <laughs> winning her the National Board of Review Award for Best Actress. <laughs> and at the Cannes Film Festival, she got a 10-minute standing ovation from the audience, but did not get an Academy Award nomination for mm-hmm. that one. I'm glad her and um, you know Betty Davis played elderly sisters as opposed to fresh-faced ingenues. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> they must have had a director that really had his finger on the pulse. <laughs> it did. Oh. It's like, you know, I was going to cast them <laughs> as the young love interest, but <laughs> I, I took a risk right. with older sisters. And it turned out well. Exactly. Well done casting directors. But. Exactly. He was like, I was, uh, was going to cast you as the, uh, you know, the young whippersnapper, but <laughs> then I was afraid you would dehydrate. Teenage daughter. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so her uh, final professional appearance was a cameo in the 88 studio recording of Jerome Kern's Showboat, um, and then in which she affectionately spoke the few lines of the old lady 
on the levee in the final scene, the last words of her long career were good night. Hmm. So that would be kind of a good way to go out. Yeah, that seems to wrap it up nicely. She she never married or had any children, and uh, she did survive the 1918 flu pandemic, Hmm. um, having contracted the illness during the filming of Broken Blossoms. Hmm. So. And then she died of heart failure in uh, February 27th of 93 at age 99. And then one little tidbit. I don't know if you would have known this, Brent, since mm-hmm. you were definitely the music man of mm-hmm. our group. But the uh, the Smashing Pumpkins named their 1991 debut album Gish, Gish. after her. Yes. Yeah, Because apparently uh, Billy Corgan explained in an interview that his grandmother used to tell me that one of the biggest things that ever happened was when Lillian Gish rode through town on a train. <laughs> My grandmother lived in the middle of nowhere, so that was a big deal. <laughs> so, very cool. So there you go. So that's the this well, latest deep dive. Did so you her last professional words were good night? Yep. Do, you know, do you know what her last like living words were? No, I do not. Do you? Yep, I do. What were they? Take it sleazy. <laughs> <laughs> and then she let that last breath out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That would be amazing. Yeah. In a way. <laughs> Was it ninety five? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've said before that like I would like the last thing I say to my loved ones when I die to be I love you. Yeah. You know, like that's. Uh, uh, but boy, it would be great to leave it with a line like that too. <laughs> <laughs> but you'd I'm, have to be able to speak well enough that it would be understood. I, I can't remember what it is offhand, but there's there's a movie or a show I forget which, and like someone says, "Come closer." And then the last words are, I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's kind of similar to like Brent's thing about uh, his story about uh, that skit. Yeah. Because like Norm MacDonald's dying words (laughs) skit were, um, stop where my mom will shoot sucks. (laughs) And then like everybody's like, what did he say? And then Sylvester Stallone has to repeat his dying words. (laughs) He said, stop where my mom will shoot sucks. So uh, back into the episode now. Um, Lorraine's family comes back to the house to patch things up and work out a way to end the relationship. All six of them head to the kitchen to enjoy cheesecake number 11. Uh, Sophia walks in and laments, having never had a roll in the hay with Alvin. Uh, And then uh, (laughs) Rose spills the beans that Michael and Lorraine have eloped. So that ends that scene. We pick up with them all, you know, rushing to the church. they all hustle into the chapel to stop the wedding. And Sophia says, excuse me, did a white man and a wrinkled old black woman just come in here? <laughs> Which I thought was Sophia's best line. Yeah. Um, Lorraine and Michael walk in and we learn that this is actually a shotgun wedding mm-hmm. as Lorraine is pregnant. So uh, now here's an interesting thing about that. That poor kid, Lorraine, dies eight years later. So that would have been a kid who had to grow up most of his life without his mom. Yeah. So Dorothy really, you know didn't even need to worry because michael still has a lot of his youth left to devote to another woman is that canon (laughs) (laughs) well i guess i shouldn't say lorraine dies but uh, rosalind cash does yeah so um, yeah so it's one of those things and you know b arthur lived a lot longer than that so she was able to dance on lorraine's grave (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) who won now (laughs) (laughs) marry my my son (laughs) (laughs) then uh Dorothy and uh, Greta decide to put their prejudices aside for the sake of the baby. The two of them throw around the names Roger and Lamar, and uh, Sophia is already dreading Thanksgiving. And that ends the episode. The um, Justice of the Peace. Um, are you going to talk about him? Yeah, I, I do have our list of yeah. our guest stars on gotcha. this. So do you guys have anything to add before I jump into these guest stars? Crappy oh. episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we had a, a 
hefty list of guest actors in it. Um, mm-hmm. Michael was played by uh, Scott Jacoby. Mm-hmm. Forty titles to his name. Now this was actually his second of three appearances um, on the Golden Girls. He was in the. Uh, it says that he was in Family Affair. Mm. So was it not? Was it the same guy? I don't think I, it was. I mean, at least that's what it said on IMDb. But you may double check me on that. Um, and he does appear again in season five. Episode ten, so maybe somebody made a mistake on that, but at least that's what it said. Is and I'm assuming as Michael still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Greta Wag number three at <laughs> time <laughs> happy. <laughs> Rose is having a birthday. Right. Uh, so Greta was played by uh, Virginia Capers. 114 titles to her name, including a uh, Howard the Duck, uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, mm-hmm. six episodes of Fresh Prince of Bel Air, mm-hmm. but this was her only episode of Golden Girls. Uh, Trudy was played by Lynn Hamilton. And she had, she was also in Cosby and Different Worlds, right? Oh, yeah. She was in, she guested in a lot of things um, during that time frame. Uh, Lynn Hamilton had 72 titles to her name, 22 episodes of Sanford and Son mm-hmm. um, as uh, Donna Harris. Mm-hmm. And then uh, this was her only episode of The Golden Girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, Libby was played by uh, Montrose Haggins. 64 titles to her name. She was in Coming to America, Say Anything, Critters 1 and 2. But I guess you'd probably be best now. It's not a show that ever hit my radar, but all 65 episodes and the movie of the famous Jet Jackson as Ms. Coretta. But again, this is her only Golden Girls. Yeah. Now, did Was that a show during your kids' uh, growing up time? Yeah, it was. It's not something they watched. Yeah. I mean, I think it was something that missed my time, mm-hmm. but was before theirs. So, yeah. And then we had the uh, Justice of the Peace, mm-hmm. uh, Hartley Silver, mm-hmm. 36 titles to his name. He does... This is only Golden Girls, but he does come back in an important role in the Golden Palace uh, for one episode as Man Number One. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, I don't remember what's just what one specific. episode. Just one episode, one? yeah. <laughs> I mean, it seems like a big role that had a lot of importance to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Now, did you one. have something more you wanted to add about Hartley Silvers? Oh, um, yeah, he was in a sex tour. This is. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, good old Hartley was in a film called Sex Stewardesses. Just before he did this one. Oh, really? That's what uh, catapulted him into the role. <laughs> right. <laughs> because we had so many guest stars in this one, I just kept it kind of brief. Uh, yeah. I didn't go quite as far in on each one. I'm sorry. Um, it was called Stewardess School. Okay. And the zany students, like S-T-E-W-D-E-N-T-S, <laughs> students, at a wacky flight attendant school have all sorts of wild and crazy high-flying adventures in this 80s comedy. Hmm. So, uh the top build cast, like the number one guy on there, was uh, Brett Cullen, who played um, Thomas Wayne in oh. the Joker movie most oh, recently. And cool. I think he was on an episode or two of Lost. But anyways, so besides him, we got uh, Wendy Jo Sperber was in that one. And Should also, I know who Wendy Jo Sperber is off the top of my head? Um, yeah, she was um, Marty's sister in Back to the Future. Oh, okay. You know, she was in a lot of stuff mm-hmm. in the 80s. Also, uh, Mr. Sherman Hemsley himself oh, wow. was in that one. And then, of course, you know, the most with the most, Donnie Most <laughs> was also <laughs> <in> it. <laughs> Very nice. Um, let me have one other guest actor. Uh, oh, Ro- and Bill Irwin. Oh, okay. And Bill Irwin was not the other guest actor. <laughs> the other guest actor was uh, Rosalind Cash playing Lorraine, of course. Yeah. 76 titles to her name. Uh, 41 episodes of uh, General Hospital. I imagine Brent probably remembers her best as a 
John M. Dale in The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is her only Golden Girls, and, and as I mentioned before, she actually died seven years later um, at the age of 56. Of what? So. I didn't research in further to find out what it was that she passed away from. Mm. But uh, but if she'd have been a stage and screen scar from 1918, <laughs> you would have. <laughs> well, <laughs> had she been a little throw in on this to where I needed to expand on it, then I certainly would have. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so that's uh, all the, like I said, it was a guest heavy episode, this particular one. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, Brent, as the host, did you want to, do you have any questions for, for Ski and I? Yeah, yeah. Um, I have a few follow-up queries. Okay. So, as far as MVPs of the episode go, who are you, who are you guys leaning towards? I gave it to Rose. Um, mm-hmm. Rose was the least problematic of the episode overall. I mean, yeah. she, she had her normal kind of simple com- you know comments. Mm-hmm. And she, she was the one who tried to smooth things out more than anybody yeah. else did. So. Yeah. In a row, in an episode that wasn't great and was really, you mm-hmm. know, I, I feel like it's an episode that would have been problematic in '88, mm-hmm. uh, much less in today's day and age. Yeah. But yeah, Rose is who got it for me. Yeah, how about you, Ski? Michael, mm-hmm. me too. I think he was the most accepting. Oh, Lorraine mm-hmm. was exactly. You know, he led with his heart. Yeah, yeah. the heart wants what the heart wants. Uh, <laughs> I think he led with something a little further south, but you could have both. <laughs> well, I think he was the most, you know. Accepting of people. So would you say the heart wants what the wiener wants? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the wiener wants what the I heart would, wants. I would say that that's a pretty good argument all around. You know, in fairness, the heart pumps the blood to the wiener when it wants something. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's probably a good, a, a good connection. <laughs> I mean, you think the wiener's just taking one for the team? They're like, oh, well, if you love her, I guess I'll give her the business. <laughs> you know, let's be honest. The wiener is often not that selective, <laughs> so, but uh, yeah. But I mean, it has to find whatever desirable, right? You know, well, that's true. But anyways, yeah. So, so we got one rose and two two Michaels for yep, this one, then. Exactly. Did you have any other questions for me? Um, I was going to ask if you had to like, I don't know, if you cut a cheesecake into eight slices, <laughs> okay, as you do. <laughs> Yes, exactly. <laughs> Seems like a reasonable quantity. Yeah, I think I go Unless with six slices. slices. You know, if I'm being honest, I go with four, <laughs> but six slices. I bet Pizzoli's goes twenty. <laughs> probably, so. <laughs> probably so. Um, but each of those slices, you two are uh, award proportionally based upon how much you enjoyed the episode. Where if it was a perfect episode, it would get eight slices of cheesecake. While if it was a totally imperfect episode, it would get zero slices. How many slices would you give this episode? I gave this slice one slice of che- or this uh, episode one slice of cheesecake. Okay, it just like I said, it, it was problematic even for its time, mm-hmm. and of course it aged terribly. Yeah. It paints most of the cast members in a negative light, mm-hmm. uh, and I also thought it was weird that it's like I don't know if this was an intentional thing, but it's like okay, we're gonna make Dorothy mildly racist in this episode uh-huh. but really against the age thing but then we're going to have the uh the black mother in it be the really racist one uh-huh. toward you know i don't know it's just it was poorly written in my opinion uh-huh. it was a poor concept um yeah. and, and they really they could have taken the episode and really made something great out of it yeah. but instead it just was hacky and kind of made them all in a poor light and then they basically only agreed to be decent out of absolute necessity well, with no other I think choice the way they even word it is we'll be we'll do what mothers always do just be miserable and fake being happy yeah mm-hmm. which is a 
this yeah. could be a funny line in the right light, mm-hmm. but in this light, it failed. Yeah. I think it just did, well, almost made it worse. Yeah. I mean, basically, uh, Greta, that was the mother. Mm-hmm. Um, so Greta and Dorothy, they take the position that, okay, we're not happy with this, but we're going to go through with it just because we love this grandbaby and we want to be a part of its life. And yet we never see the grandbaby again. Right. You know? It's one of those things like, what's Dorothy truly getting out of this? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. But yeah, overall, like I said, I, I could have given it a higher score even with all the problems if it would have been like really funny yeah. or if the drama in it would have been you yeah. know, particularly poignant. Mm-hmm. But they didn't really hit any of the marks. It was kind of like they took on this really sticky topic and handled it messily mm-hmm. and you know, just... It bit off more than they could chew. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. See, so yeah, only one slice for this one. Yeah. What about, uh, oh, did you have anybody else you wanted to ask? <laughs> Steve, would you like to tell me how many slices of I was going to give it one as well, and okay. Alan actually pretty much stole everything I was going to say. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, they, te- they took on a pretty poignant topic. I mm-hmm. think it could have been something really important that, you mm-hmm. know, especially for as popular a show as Golden Girls was, mm-hmm. they could have really done something important with this. Mm-hmm. But instead, I felt like I was more upset with everybody at the end, mm-hmm. and it was just really crappy so i gave it you know the one purely for the fact that uh, i think they tried to breach uh, a topic that could have done some good mm-hmm. but it gets no more than that because they did a poor job of it okay i agree and i'm giving it one as well for all the previously listed reasons so alan do you think this one should be available on the hulu i think it should be with a tag in front of it yeah exactly yeah. So I know that like Disney has started doing that. Maybe they'll do that same thing yeah. where like on certain things like Dumbo has some problematic scenes yeah, and yeah. you know exactly. others that they've started putting like a tag on the front that warns people like, hey, this has some stuff that you may find offensive. Mm-hmm. I think that it should be available because people should be able to see it and judge for themselves. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, you know, but uh, I don't have an issue with them making what for them is probably a business decision more than anything else. Yeah. But yeah, I think it should be out there so people can exactly. judge it for themselves yeah. without having to watch some jacked up version of it on YouTube. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, the stuff on YouTube is, is not good. Yeah. So are you same or different? Yeah, I think that's actually an excellent idea. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm of the opinion always that if we uh, don't learn from the past, we're doomed to repeat it. Mm-hmm. So I think that things like this in the right in the right setting, especially if there is some kind of uh, disclaimer at the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, could be used as maybe more of a teaching moment. Mm-hmm. Say, hey, you know, because I think it's foolish to completely denounce the past mm-hmm. because, like I said, that that's a surefire way almost to do ba- make bad decisions again. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think uh, I think it could be a learning thing. Yeah. Sorry, I think I said that poorly but <laughs> no no i'm tracking with you so i agree with all of that too but all that said the lillian gish joke was was gold yeah i agree <laughs> i agree once i knew who she was and realized that she said she'd be cool with her son dating a 95 year old exactly <laughs> you know your deep dive mm-hmm. could actually be interpreted as an allegory for the rest of the entire episode oh really because she was a black and white star <laughs> <laughs> That's a, a stretch, <laughs> but I appreciate your effort on that as well. I, I appreciate your effort on that more than I appreciate the writer's effort on the episode. <laughs> Bringing the two together harmoniously, Alan. <laughs> very nice. I don't say very nice. It was yeah. Mildly botched as well, but... 
I don't have anything else to add to this episode. Okay. Do you have anything to add, Ski? I think I'm spent. Really? Okay. Well, how long? How, what are we at time-wise for this episode? Uh, about fifty-three minutes. Fifty-three minutes. Mm-hmm. All right. You want to just BS for another seven minutes? Get us up to an hour? Or do oh, you wanna... hey, I got something to add. Yeah, let's totally hear. Totally disconnected from this episode, which could be viewed as a positive. Okay. Right. Is it related to Chamberlain? Uh, no. Okay. So you sent pictures. Uh, both of you sent pictures on a little text conversation we got this past week. Okay. You sent one with uh, Michael Stipe, right? his name yeah yeah holding hands with uh betty white, betty yeah. white. yeah and you said every time you sl- hold me open it up so i don't botch it hey well just so everybody knows as he's looking it up i posted that on our twitter feed oh, so yeah michael so, stipe and betty white mm-hmm. nice and i put uh even rem is be- or no i said even taking comfort in your pain is better with the golden girls oh, yeah. um so yeah and if you if you are subscribed to our twitter feed you would yeah. You could definitely see that at Sophia's Choice PC. Exactly. And that is not the first bald man that Betty White's been with, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, I'm sure not. <laughs> <laughs> but you said that uh, every time you hear the one I love, yeah. you'll think of this picture. Yeah. I snapped back with, uh, uh, sh- I'll think of shiny, happy people, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. mm-hmm. they're holding hands. So. Right, yeah. But uh, as a result, that song. Shiny. Well, that is very true. <laughs> I, I've had that song stuck in my head all week, <laughs> and so I even looked it up online just because I wanted, I've never seen the video. Yeah, I looked it up, and it's kind of a kitschy kind of video, yeah, but yeah. it's cute, yeah, right? It's a good one, and I, I do like it because uh, it's got the singer or one of the singers from the B Fifty Twos, yeah, yeah, Kate Pearson. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize like I think almost all or all of the uh, members of B Fifty Twos are singers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, I knew there were like four or five of them, but. Yeah. Like at least three or four of them sing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, anyway, um, and I realized I, I read some of the reviews on there. I guess Michael Stipe hated Shiny Happy People. Yeah. <laughs> he, he thought it was too poppy and it was mm-hmm. almost too far of a departure from their normal yeah. work. Even though I, I a bit a bit ironically, one of the things he liked most about REM is that they didn't necessarily follow a strict formula every time. Mm, yeah. They did mix it up and such. Mm-hmm. And that was actually one of their more critical, uh, like, successes, I think. So, yeah. That's very interesting. Um, I did have one other thing to add. Yeah. If you haven't gone out there and if you enjoy our, our, our show here and you haven't gone out and rated us on iTunes yet, I definitely yeah. encourage you to do so. Yeah. Because that will help us uh, reach more people. Absolutely. And while you're out there, uh, pick up a copy of R.E.M.'s Monster album. Is that a good one? Oh, it is. Is that your favorite R.E.M. album? Definitely. Hands down. Far and away. Around the Sun um, is another really, really good one. It's celebrating their 20th anniversary this year. Now, the one that you just mentioned that's your favorite, is there a particular song that's uh, popular in mainstream? Uh, What's the Frequency, Kenneth? It's probably the biggest hit off of there. Okay. But Bang and Blame and Strange Currencies uh, were both big hits. Um, Out of Time is the one with Shiny Happy People. Yeah. And I believe it also had... Drive, I think, maybe. I don't know, but I think they, they said it had... Uh, Losing My Religion, maybe, was on oh. there? Mm-hmm. I think so. So oh, That would have been an even better tag. I should have said even losing your religion is better with the Golden Girls. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, well. I know um, I know. Blanche made some people lose their religion. <laughs> <laughs> they were excommunicated. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, what else is going on? We don't convert with no fornicators. <laughs> exactly. I, I don't think I have anything else to, to add in, you know, just uh, that, like I said, that last minute plea for uh, for some re- readings and reviews. Okay. But aside from that, 
guess we all just got to stay golden. Coco? <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks so much for downloading today. If you enjoyed that opening, you should definitely check out Ashley Jade on YouTube. She has a bunch of awesome compositions on there. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at Sophia's Choice Podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Twitter at Sophia's Choice PC. We plan to have a new episode out every Monday. If you have a moment, give us a rating on iTunes or wherever else fine podcasts are downloaded. And of course, stay golden.